0: Hello and welcome to the Arrow Video Podcast with Sam and Dan. My name is Dan Martin, special effects artist and podcaster, and I am joined, as ever, by my lovely co-host.
1: Sam Ashurst, and I'm a writer, I'm a director, and I'm a married man. uh, Now, yes, the the precious Arrowheads have just had a wave of pre-recorded episodes because... I flew to Canada to spend time with my partner, Shay. But we were so overwhelmed by love during this uh, what was supposed to be a brief visit that I ended up flying to Portland to spend more time with her. That was on the Friday. Then I proposed on the Monday. We got our marriage licence on the Tuesday and we were wed on the Saturday. So probably very apt that I spoke to her on our true romance episode because it was a total kind of true romance situation A massive whirlwind, but uh, an incredibly beautiful one. And I now live in Portland, uh, which is as uh, much of a surprise to me as it is to you, Dan.
0: Did you kill a white man with dreadlocks?
1: <laughs> I mean, there's there's plenty of them around here in, in Portland. <laughs> it, is the, but, it is the place. Yeah, but uh, a, a massive, massive life change. So I'm sure I'll be talking about it on, on the pod uh, over the next kind of months and years. But um, yeah, I, I'm, I'm now a married man, which is, uh, yeah amazing oh, congratulations and, and Sam. Weird. oh thank you dan yeah we we just by the way for the precious arrowheads we just had quite a long conversation about it off mic so we wouldn't um go over it too much on mic um because you're not here to to listen to my uh wedding stories you are here to uh listen to us talk about june which coincidentally does relate to my wedding but we'll get, we'll get to that in a bit um <laughs> Dan, this was your choice. Why did you pick this film?
0: So I feel this is becoming a bit of a trend with my picks, but it's uh, it was my pick because I wanted the box set. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it was my pick because I'd never seen the film all the way through. Oh, well, this is a this was a first all the way through watch, and I've now watched it through three times. Uh, yeah, and uh, spoiler alert, I love it.
1: Fantastic. This is a very unified episode then because this was also my first viewing of June. not even all really? the way just first full stop yeah um, I, I am a massive David Lynch fan as you know um, yeah same um, yeah interviewed him a couple of times and meeting him only increased my adoration of him he is an incredible human being he has just such a unique and powerful energy and obviously he's an incredible artist but he's always distanced himself from June. Um, so yeah. I did too, um, but yeah, I massively regret that after watching this film because you chose it, Dan, because it is fucking amazing. I it's great, isn't it? it? Yeah,
0: I it- was. It's one of those ones where when I was about sixteen, my then girlfriend's dad was really into it. Oh <laughs> and he had it On VHS, and he put it on a couple of times, and I was like, "Well, this is very slow,
1: <laughs> right?"
0: Uh, and it's not even like I was like a Star Wars kid, and I was like, "There's not enough space battles." I don't know why it didn't. It didn't grab me. But, uh, but yeah, and then I just, I just never got around to it. I think the length is off-putting for a lot of people, which yeah. is odd considering how like, fine we are with that under other circumstances. But yeah, so when it was announced that Arrow was doing this like four, a 4K remaster, and I was like, well, they, if I, I'm going to watch it. This is the way to watch it. And oh boy, was I right. It's gorgeous. I mean, it's, it's a great film. Like I feel, I feel like I feel like everyone else knows this, but it's a great film. Although maybe that is a little contested because it was, you know, you have got uh, purists, book purists who who were cross about it. Lynch himself isn't super keen, um, and it didn't. Bef- I don't think it performed particularly well, did it? Considering the the scale of it, we certainly never got the sequels that were originally planned. But yeah, I really really like it.
1: Yeah, I mean, it, it has the exact vibe I love. Like it, it's yeah way more Lynchian than I was expecting. I thought it was going to be like a really compromised movie because of his attitude towards it. But no, it's got weird visuals. It's got amazing ambient music. It's really hypnotic and mesmerizing. People think the structure's bad, But structure can be overrated sometimes. Um, Yeah, I agree. You know, give me an absorbing experience with beautiful imagery and I'm all yours.
0: Yeah, and a lot of it really stands up. Like some of the superimpositions are a little hokey by Mm. modern standards. But aside from that, I think the the optical effects, the practical effects, by and large, they're fucking great. Yeah. Like they really stand up. There's some beautiful miniature work in it. There's some lovely matte paintings. Mm. All the stuff I love from that era.
1: Yeah absolutely and and the production design is is astonishing like it's like von sternberg directing blade runner uh and the costumes yeah. are beautiful really really beautiful
0: yeah it's gorgeous it's gorgeous from start to finish i and we'll get onto this later i'm sure but y- you and i both went to see the the new one yes just just before the record of this which i also absolutely adored i made sure to have watched the, the lynch one all the way through first because mm. i didn't want it to be tainted by all the money spent on the new one mm. uh because it's easy for older films when compared to new stuff like you know it it's it's hard for them to compete just because of the tech we've got you know the digital work all that kind of stuff it it can be very hard but i think it really stands up
1: yeah yeah well i was actually lucky enough to see lynch's june mm-hmm on the big screen as well it was coincidentally playing at the rio cinema in vancouver um oh, where wow. i was yeah kind of uh, supposed to be visiting shea before we ended up also going on to to portland but um i'd kind of booked that for us uh, there and so that was my first cinema visit since march 2020 um wow. so the last film i'd seen on the big screen was a little more flesh at starburst in Manchester and then obviously that was in March 2020 everything locked down and and I hadn't had a chance to go back since so it was kind of very overwhelming and emotional to just be in a cinema like I welled up with tears I know that makes me sound very lame but to sit in a cinema again and be surrounded with people because it was a very busy screening even though yeah, yeah. it's like retro dune and, yeah, just, like, the music playing, the, the curtains opening, like, it was such a powerful experience. So I did wonder, actually, if my experience of Lynch's Dune was related to the the overwhelming emotion I felt just being in a cinema. So I'm very glad to hear that you had the same experience watching it on, on the Blu-ray. And, obviously, I did go on to watch it on the Blu-ray again to w- listen to the commentaries and all the rest of it. Um, yeah, yeah. But, yeah, and then I went with my... Uh, perfect genius wife Shay we went to see the new one at the IMAX on our wedding day Um, amazing (laughs) so yeah that's how much I now love June it's um it's 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 your honeymoon film you spend your honeymoon on Arrakis exactly exactly yeah so yeah and actually Shay already was well versed with the Lynch version she she loves the film she's read the book and we both kind of agreed that the new June was technically a better adaptation and I totally agree with you It's, it's a wonderful wonderful movie but we both prefer the poetic elements of Lynch's like there's no the dream unfolds in the new one and that's kind of um a very meaningful quote so yeah how did you feel about the differences between the two dunes
0: i'd say one of my favorite things about the new one is Mm. that we're going to get more of it yes
1: i mean thank Uh, god right? fucking hell
0: yeah Imagine imagine if we'd been cut off twice. <laughs> Lynch's one is is more of a complete structure yeah. than than the first part of this new one. Yeah. But it was always meant to go on. So it's not complete complete. But imagine if we hadn't got another one after this one.
1: Exactly. Yeah, like I that would have driven me absolutely crazy. I yeah. mean there are there are elements that I just prefer in Lynch's like outside of the the poetry. Like I think the baron is cool in the new movie but he's a fucking amazing character in lynch's version like so gross and terrifying um... yeah
0: i mean i would i would love to see a like a hot like a straight remake of that while i had some some issues with the makeup effects in the new one mm. it was technically brilliant yeah uh and all the stuff with the like the 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 bi pool mm. uh, the like the healing pool and all that kind of stuff was just so fucking gorgeous yeah but i just wanted him to be grosser
1: yeah exactly
0: like he he was just like a just a slightly corpulent dude yeah it wasn't enough like I, I needed him to be fat like pearl out of blades i needed him to be <laughs> pustulant. Yes. i needed him to be weeping not from his eyes but from his sores <laughs>
1: <laughs> exactly
0: and he wasn't sadistic enough either like he was no. obviously he was a horrible piece of work yeah. but we didn't have the heart plug scene
1: exactly which like is you so needed to terrifying like he cackles nothing... he's so yeah go on you, you finish and then i'll say what i've got to say
0: there's so much there's so much more sadism yeah to him in the lynch version and i think that it makes him like you know i guess cause some people could argue that it makes him more of a pantomime villain but i think it's it's such a fantastic character
1: Absolutely. And I was going to say, yeah, there's nothing to match the tension of that stuff, that sadism in the new version for me. Yeah. Like genuinely uncomfortable and scary sequences involving the Baron in the Lynch version. And yeah, Shay said that the Harkonnens, is that how you say it? I don't know. Harkonnen, but, yeah, yeah. yeah. But those that that group of evil gingers in uh, Lynch's <laughs> version, are uh, basically like the Garbage Pail Kids in lynch's film <laughs> and that is yeah that's basically a perfect description and i wanted more garbage pale kids in the new one but outside of that you know i'm being a little bit too down on the Viennere version because i was just fucking blown away by it absolutely oh my blown away it's gorgeous like it, it really feels like one of those 70s sci-fi book covers just moving yeah. in front of you the design absolutely. is gorgeous.
0: That i felt tension in the battle scenes okay, in yeah. a way that yeah. i've not felt tension in like a triple a hollywood title movie yeah. for years yeah yeah totally i felt i i i have no i have no authority to speak on this but it felt like a lot of the spaceships, particularly the sort of dragonfly things, had been, you know, presumably they're entirely digital, but they felt like they'd been designed and rendered in such a way to make them look a bit like miniatures. Mm, yeah. Um. And they, they really hit that kind of, like, that bit of my, like, pleasure centre. Mm. <laughs> they f- They felt like old-fashioned miniatures with digital wings rather than entirely digital structures.
1: Yeah, and they had a real weight to them, in, oh like, they were lovely when they're diving and stuff like that like yeah what a fucking cool film I'm so glad that they yeah. confirmed the second one because they waited long enough it's like when are you well gonna... Villeneuve
0: said he wasn't going to make another studio picture afterwards didn't yeah. he yeah, yeah. he was like yeah fuck this I'm out so the fact that he's back so now we just need uh, Tarsum Singh to take on the Neuromancer
1: there you go yeah easy and then we need <laughs> someone to um, do a sequel to The Social Network because uh, that's going uh, that's going the way of June with all this meta stuff like fuck it all. Mark Zuckerberg as, as the next Baron, please. But anyway, maybe I shouldn't um, shouldn't slander Mark Zuckerberg on a podcast. Oh uh... yeah.
0: I stepped back into VR for the first time in a long time yesterday. Oh, nice. And I suffered my first VR injury.
1: (laughs) Please do tell. How does one get a VR injury?
0: You punch something in the real world by accident while flailing around (laughs) in virtual space.
1: (laughs) Oh, no. Oh, God. What did (laughs) you punch?
0: I was I was playing Gorn mm-hmm. which is like a sort of super bloody physics based gladiator battle awesome like gladiator arena yeah where you can pick people up and pull their limbs off wow <laughs> all that kind of stuff it's fucking great but never before have I played a game where my brain so completely forgot about the existence of the real world. Oh, my God. And so even though it's quite cartoony and relatively low detail, it's like cel-shaded, hmm. um, you just completely give yourself over to the space. Now, the thing is, you move by, like, wiggling your arms like you're running by your side. You don't need to step off the central spot. Right. But you do. <laughs> because your brain's an idiot. Oh, and I wow. punched a f- I- I punched something and I heard this, like, smash. Oh and I God. hurt my hand, oh. and I was like, "Oh fuck! I've 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 broken something. I've punched a bit of glass, or I've punched a painting, or uh, i would hit a metal fire guard." <laughs> oh
1: Jesus, Dan! Fuck. Uh, which I
0: had luckily, I'd, I'd done a little bit of damage to my hand, and I'd done no damage to the fire guard because it's tough. But um, I think but, yeah, I'd dangerous. rather it was the
1: other way round, to be honest with you. But anyway, yeah.
0: Well, I, I'll heal the uh, Jen's <laughs> grandmother's fire guard oh, okay. that we were yeah. left in the will. Yeah, that's okay. not healing
1: okay yeah okay now i get it yeah fair fair yeah
0: it's beautiful beautiful uh deco brass like fanning peacock
1: that goes in front of our fireplace (laughs) speaking of beautiful deco sort of uh the extras uh on this disc i really really enjoyed the fx featurette on this disc which obviously has a, a bunch of talking heads from the special effects team but They're kind of discussing the logic behind the decisions they made, which is slightly unique in these kinds of things. It has a bit more depth than usual, I think.
0: Very much my jam.
1: Yeah, exactly. And yeah, really, really fun seeing how this world was kind of put together and created. Obviously, you would view this in a completely different way to me because you know... How all of this stuff is put together already, but how did you feel watching that featurette?
0: It's really nice. I mean, like I think, yeah. While I'm aware of the practical, like the result, and I can and I can sort of reverse engineer the processes to a certain extent. What I don't have insight into is the logic that took them to those decisions. Mm. And that was really nice, like seeing that, hearing them talk about it. I think one of the things that stood me very well in my career was a really early uh, conversation I had. I've talked about Harry Lang before for listeners who haven't listened to everything we've talked about every every episode we've done um, Harry Lang was an ex-NASA engineer who was headhunted by Kubrick to do the spaceship designs on 2001 he recently had an exhibition was included in an exhibition of stuff in London but I was lucky enough to meet him a number of times when I was young because my mother met his wife and he'd sort of talked to me not just about like special effects and and design for those effects but also about the tenets of the design like how to approach it mm. and i one of the things he said to me very early on which always stuck with me was that every decision has to be justified like every design choice has to have a reason and that reason has to fit into the logic of the world and it may not be that the audience ever know about those decisions it may not be that the audience are ever aware of that logic but as long as it makes sense within the rules of the universe that the film is laying out it'll make sense to the audience Mm, yeah um and that always really stuck with me so hearing these guys talk about that stuff and talk about like going through that process is really like exciting for me
1: yeah absolutely it's lovely and and surprisingly rare like normally they just take you from a to b to c about how they created something but the Yeah they'll show you it, the design exactly. but they don't necessarily
0: talk about the logic behind the design.
1: Yeah and and it's similar in the the feature about the miniatures which i found even yeah. more kind of informative and useful. Really really fantastic behind the scenes shots. A great guide to several different techniques I- i'd love to work with miniatures at some point and i found this to be kind of a lovely little film school you know to use that kind of cliche yeah and i l- love the quote that blasted worm we're not going to discuss worms are we um... <laughs> <laughs> was yeah, they all look like poo <laughs> And yeah, there was there's a Impressions of Dune, which was ported over from the DVD, and that's a more kind of general overview of, of the creation of the whole thing. It's decent. It's a little bit dry. It has that kind of low-energy, sequential discussion vibe from early 2000s official extras. But there is interesting stuff in there. It's worth watching for sure. And there's a couple of really solid commentaries, aren't there? Which, which yeah. is your favourite commentary, Dan? How did you feel about those?
0: I only listened to Mike's one. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Uh, um, and it's great yeah. like I've been on Mike's podcast a couple of times he is a curious library <laughs> of yeah. information and he did himself proud on this commentary uh, yeah it's fantastic the, um, yeah yeah like you, we, we we say this uh, <laughs> like maybe every like fourth or fifth episode we talk about a commentary where it's like holy fuck the amount of information I yeah. drop but I think Mike might be the perfect balance of insane amounts of information and like not too dry a delivery yep the fact that he basically complains about the fact that he's not doing a Dogs of Dune commentary <laughs> where, <laughs> where he just talks about the presence of dogs in the Lynch version. Um, <clears throat> in, uh, you know, if I wasn't won over already, which I was, um, that would have won me over. Yeah, he's he's great. Yeah, I was as stuffed as Mike.
1: Yeah, that was my favourite too. Absolutely loved it. And and the other one's good, but it's kind of less forensic and it's more about, it's more kind of anecdotal, If that if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, it's good to have both of those styles Absolutely. of commentary on this disc. Well, I, would,
0: I would say that the thing that I liked about Mike's is while it's packed to the gills with facts it, it doesn't do that at the expense of personal interpretation yeah. of reading. Yeah, yeah. So he he talks about what he takes from the film on an artistic level on a metaphorical level. Yeah. And he's smart enough that those things vibe. Like you go, yeah, that makes sense. I like that. I'm interested in that. And even if you don't agree with it 100%, it's interesting, it's logical, and it's worth listening to.
1: Yeah. 100%. Absolutely agree wonderful well that's kind of all i've got to say on dune and dune's extras do you have any final words on this release dan
0: yeah there's some great uh, just just a couple of more more extras actually i wanted to talk about mm-hmm. there's a a lovely uh, featurette on the second disc about the toys yeah that came that's out. Really like good. the frankly <laughs> <really good>. baffling <laughs> line of toys i don't really remember seeing any of them at the time mm-hmm. uh i mean i was only like five or six when when dune came out so you know maybe that wasn't quite on my radar and obviously i hadn't seen it so i wasn't desperate for a sandworm but that's really good but actually there's a couple more effects things on uh, on the second disc as mm, well mm. there's a fantastic interview with Giannetta de Rossi something of a hero of mine uh, and I'm a big fan of him being slightly shady towards uh, Carlo Rambaldi <laughs> <laughs> As uh, as was um, Chris Tucker, who's also on the disc. Mm. Um, Chris Tucker, an amazing British special effects artist, uh, did Elephant Man. Only did a little bit on Dune, and it's a very short interview. Mm. Uh, and it's mostly him saying like, oh, "I don't really remember what I did because he didn't go on set." Uh, but he has a fantastic Rambaldi story as well. So yeah, there you go. If you want some Rambaldi shade, disc two,
1: perfect, excellent. All right. Well... By the
0: way, I love I love Rambaldi, but I also love how much like people give him stick
1: yeah yeah no i mean a a clear and obvious genius but um maybe not the easiest person to work with um who knows but right let's move on to recommendations based on june i have a feeling that you're not going to do either of mine dan because they're both super mainstream so why don't you go first
0: uh, okay, so my first movie there is an animated movie. Oh, um, I feel like it's one that I've mentioned before. Mm-hmm. Um, if it if I told you that it was the first film to win, first animated film to win the Palm Door, would that tell you what it was?
1: Uh, oh God, no, it would not. Though it should
0: from nineteen seventy three. Mm-hmm. It's René Laloux's planet savage aka fantastic of course. planet ah! I, I, I don't really know what to tell you about planet savage if you haven't seen it it's on the bfi player in the uk mm-hmm. uh, i think it's on criterion uh, in the states and in the uk yeah uh, it may be may not be criterion in the uk it might be like eureka or someone from before criterion release titles over here um it's absolutely beautiful um uh I can't remember the name of the composer who did the soundtrack. I feel like it's Alan Grugnier, but that might be an absolute brutalization <laughs> of the poor man's name. But it's it's a fucking gorgeous soundtrack. It's really beautiful, old fashioned cell animation. Uh, Lalou did like really, really great stuff. It, a, a sort of a long list or a short list uh, title for, uh, for my recommendations was another one of his films called The Time Masters. Uh, that he did with Mobius. Oh yeah. Um, which is also worth checking out, but it's much harder to get hold of and I'm trying to be a little bit more accessible <laughs> with my recommendations. Nice. It's it's you know, it's it's set on an entirely alien world. You've got these giant blue sort of like empath telepaths who are the upper class and they swan about living their fancy life eating fancy fruits. And then they have these sort of pests that are these much more like innately humanoid, like mini creatures that run around and uh, whatever and it's ostensibly a story of uh, like a pair of these ohm uh, these creatures who are taken as a pet by uh, by one of the big blue aliens a, you know a young one of the blue aliens they're all aliens what am i saying anyway <laughs> and then one of these creatures uh takes some of the ohm as a pet and it's sort of their life experience sort of captive to this huge like very like quote-unquote intelligent mm. um species uh, it's fucking great uh, if you've not seen it do yourself do yourself a favor it's gorgeous
1: absolutely yeah fantastic fantastic recommendation speaking of accessibility uh you don't need me to tell you about tremors because we did a whole <laughs> episode on it and it's on arrow obviously but it's only now that i realize that it's basically a complete rip-off of lynch's dune from the design to the basic concept Yeah, the only reason it didn't come up when we did the episode is because neither I or Dan had watched Dune at that time. But yeah, it's still very clearly set within the same universe, even. Maybe the Graboids came from Arrakis um, because there is discussion of them being (gasps) aliens, obviously. eh? But yeah, please do watch Tremors. Please listen to our Tremors episode. Um, But yeah, just watch Tremors. Tremors. There we go. Uh, that's, tremors. That's it, Tremors. Dad, what's what's next from you based on Dune?
0: It's another animation. Yay! It's from 1984. It's Japanese. Oh. It's co-funded by the World Wildlife Fund. Oh. It's Nausicaa of the Valley of the Wind. Nice. From Studio Ghibli. Um, it's got dragonfly-based flying machines. It's got massive fucking insectoid creatures like that bum around on the landscape and people think are a problem, <laughs> but objectively speaking are probably an important part of the ecosystem mm-hmm. <laughs> um, it's got a hostile natural environment uh, although in this case it's largely uh, human caused um, and it's got the uh, real problem being uh, bipedal uh, humanoids uh, yeah it's absolutely beautiful another amazing soundtrack I think this one's by Joe Hisaishi. it's possibly my favourite of the ghibli films it's a like you, you can argue that um dune is a sort of american seeking oil allegory there's absolutely no uh, doubt that Nausicaa is a um a sort of an environmentalist allegory mm-hmm. uh, and about the dangers uh, specifically of nuclear war um which obviously is a, a a much more like delicate subject even in the 80s for mm. japanese filmmakers mm. But yeah, it's a, a beautiful cautionary tale, uh, an absolute delight. And again, if you haven't seen it, it's it's a it's a real treat.
1: Fantastic, yeah. Well, there's uh, a lovely
0: Blu-ray out in England, I assume in America as well. Yeah, find yeah. it,
1: watch it. It is a, a, a true classic. Um, another true classic that you should definitely watch. Uh, that is Star Wars, Dan. Star Wars. Now, what's this? Yes, um, uh, this is a film. For regular listeners, will be aware that Dan thinks is uh, an utter piece of shit. Um, so I'm, I've never heard of it. <laughs> I'm left with the solemn responsibility of recommending this, mostly because George Lucas totally ripped off the book when he was conceiving the script. There are just a, a ridiculous amount of crossovers between the the two projects. Whether it's you know having an emperor overlord or the fact that there's spice mining in both properties. But also I'm recommending it because David Lynch turned down Return of the Jedi and ended up doing Dune instead. And you could very easily pretend that Star Wars takes place in the Dune universe and vice versa. So yeah, if you haven't seen Star Wars, lol, then definitely double billet with David Lynch's Dune because yeah, you could really pretend that Star Wars and Tremors take place in uh, in the Dune verse. Um yeah, that's it from me. That's it from Dan.
0: I think I've seen Star Wars. Is it the one with Jefferson <laughs> Starship in it?
1: That's the one, yeah, and, and David Hasselhoff as well. Um he plays Is David Hasselhoff uh, in Yeah, he, he plays um Luke Starcrasher, I think. In I, I, the I believe, Christmas special. I believe. I haven't seen it either but it's supposed to be good oh, anyway I've,
0: I've, I've, I've seen the Christmas special I've watched it more times than <laughs> I've seen any of the other films
1: that is just pure Dan I love it I love Schadenfreude well speaking of Schadenfreude I'm actually going to go first this time because that leads perfectly into my first recommendation based on what I've been watching in the past couple of weeks Ninja 3 The Domination Dan
0: amazing
1: yeah this was a first time watch for me it was a oh, rental what a treat from a video shop in portland like a vhs video they have well they actually have yeah blu-rays dvds and vhs in uh this place it's called movie madness um it's in portland it is fucking huge massively recommend um portlandia really is a documentary isn't it (laughs) movie madness is heaven right it's the kind of place that you know, in Clerks, where Randall kind of drops to his knees in delight, yeah. I kind of did that in Movie Madness because not only does it have uh, Blu rays, DVDs, and VHS to rent, it has loads of props. So there's props from Sits and Kane, from Blade Runner. Um, wow. Yeah. And, and William Holden's shotgun from The Wild Bunch, Dan. Um, wow yeah which actually made me gasp so if you're ever in portland do visit movie madness i recommend it to evram actually who was passing through the weekend of my wedding and, and he loved it a uh, mutual friend uh precious arrowheads of dan and i evram who's yeah. basically a-, a superb uh film festival programmer but let's get back to ninja three because uh That also made me gasp uh, just like William Holden's shotgun uh, for very different reasons. It is one for bad movie connoisseurs. It is ridiculous from the opening sequence, which features a ninja on a golf course through to the moment where someone uses dance aerobics to try to fend off a demon right up until the final credits. It is ridiculous. Total goofy fun. I absolutely loved it. Ninja 3, The Domination. I recommend it. Dan I presume that you're a Ninja 3 fan.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I think I last watched it uh, while we were filming, further wait for further instructions, oh, sweet. up in Yorkshire, because I imposed myself as the de facto programmer of an abandoned cinema that I found where we were filming. Wow. Um And so I, I had a projector with me, as I like to, <laughs> yeah. when I travel. And so we just like brought, there weren't any seats, it was just a screen and a big empty room so we dragged like chairs in from around this weird studio up in bubwith in the north of england up in yorkshire mm. uh, and i and i started playing weird films and it, this all started because it was just before ash versus the evil dead premiered yes. and i was i was being vocally excited about that uh to spike simon pike our friend mm. who was puppeteering with me at the time before his uh exodus to asia Mm. and and none of the local like a whole bunch of the local like film student kids who are all extras on this on this film they hadn't seen evil dead the first they hadn't seen the original evil dead or evil dead 2 so i'm like well we have to we have to fix this (laughs) and then and then we found the the cinema and so then i started showing weird weird films to them that's
1: awesome and ninja 3 was in there too i think that that actually quite a fitting one in the mix with the evil dead movies for sure yeah yeah, it's got that weird, yeah, we did uh energy. we
0: did Ninja 3, The Fog, mm. uh, Evil Dead 1 and 2, uh, Samurai Cop. I'm struggling to remember the others. But yeah, a nice. whole bunch of stuff. It was really fun.
1: Well, yeah, I watched Ninja 3. It was on Blu-ray. I think it's the, the Shout Factory release, I believe. But yeah, I recommend that and I recommend Movie Madness. If you're in or around Portland, you probably already know about it. Anyway, what's your first recommendation based on the past couple of weeks, Dan?
0: Well, So you know who we did that live podcast for Fright Fest? Oh, yeah. I didn't see a lot of stuff at Fright Fest Ah. that year because obviously we weren't attending. And I felt like I'd missed out. So I had some screener links for a few things that had played at Fright Fest. Oh, nice. uh, And I went through to see what was still active. Nice. So I watched Coming Home in the Dark. Have you seen that?
1: Uh, I have. I've not seen that. No, how is oh,
0: it? Yeah, Antipodean nastiness. Uh, it's got a little, a little flavour of the old Wolf Creek, although it's New Zealand, not mm. Australia. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's fantastic. Uh, a family on a holiday out in the New Zealand wilderness, uh, which is a much more pastoral and verdant wilderness than uh, than the one in Wolf Creek, are besieged by a seemingly senseless group of unpleasant individuals who slowly reveal uh, a potential connection to the people that they're tormenting it's super super grim it's super super dark there's a fantastically shocking moment about 15-20 minutes in that will totally buy you into the rest of the film or make you turn it off depending awesome. on your sensibilities yeah it's really great uh, mpi have it in the states uh, i can't find any news about a specific uh uk release yet i think it is uh, I think it's available in the states already
1: I will watch it and I will feed back um yeah especially as uh, we're we're looking for selections for our end of year best of episode a eh? so that sounds like a a, a potential yeah it's one a it's
0: that. a it's it's a nasty film
1: ah oh, I like my nasty film but
0: it's but you know what it's nasty within the parameters of what I consider acceptable in twenty twenty one so that's a nice rarity
1: right right Wow. Well, okay now I'm even more intrigued but um Well, my next recommendation has elements of nastiness in it, but it's it's actually from 1955. So relatively tame compared to uh, 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 what's going on today. Um, But yeah, bad day at Black Rock, Dan. What a treat. Uh, Yes. Another incredible rental from movie madness, but with a very, very different vibe, obviously. Yeah. Um, Yeah. You're a fan of this film, right?
0: Yeah, absolutely. It's it was a, I recommended it after my first watch, which was during the life of the podcast, but many years ago now. It's a favourite of friend of the podcast, Dan Gomer, who works for me as a sculptor. Oh wow! And he recommended it to me. I think year one of the podcast. I watched it with him. I loved it. I told you all about it. <laughs> yes, yes, that's not that why, you didn't that's know about why it. I just said you're a fan of yeah. this one. <laughs> yes. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. But it's taken me a little bit longer to, to watch it. But um Oh have you
0: not seen it before?
1: No, no, this was the first oh. watch for me. Oh wow, what a treat. Yeah, I absolutely, absolutely adored it. Beautiful classic noir which feels like a western from its opening moment despite the fact it kind of takes place when it was shot as i said in 1955 it's on the warner archives blu-ray label and i'm so glad they put it out because it was a first time watch for me but i could see the quality of the restoration if that makes sense like it's yeah, yeah, fucking yeah. gorgeous and also you know thematically it feels incredibly modern yeah the the colors and composition are absolutely stunning so many frames feel like a, a 1950s painting and the cast is next level two you've got spencer tracy playing a one-armed stranger who's traveled to a small desert town on a mission And the unfriendly locals include Lee Marvin, Ernest Borgnine and Robert Ryan, um, which is obviously incredible. Uh, I'm probably going over stuff that you went over when you recommended it first time around, Dan. But just in case anyone hasn't listened to that episode, it's directed by the immaculate John Sturgis, who makes use of every single one of uh the 81 minutes uh that this film takes place in so yeah it's really taut and tight but there is room for for gorgeousness in there as well but yeah bad day at black rock i recommend it dan what's next from you
0: next up from me is uh, another 2021 film actually Ooh. keeping it modern nice it's available to rent on amazon in the uk i assume it's available in the states uh, it's a sequel Uh, to a 2016 Fede Alvarez nasty.
1: Oh, yes. Just don't breathe too. Don't breathe too. Now, I'm intrigued by this because this whole franchise is a little bit divisive, eh? Divisive, I should say.
0: Divisive. Yeah, you know what? I think I preferred this to the original.
1: Okay, nice.
0: Fede's original is... You've some problems with it. Yeah. (laughs) We can't really go into
1: those problems because that would get a spoiler five out of five. Um, Oh, yeah. I know exactly what you're talking about. It's a third act problem.
0: Yeah. but number two manages to abandon quite a lot of that it plays with the the baddie from the first one mm-hmm. as a sort of anti-hero character although it acknowledges his problems from the first film mm-hmm. uh in one line <laughs> in, the, in the third act ah. um, but <laughs> he he is a very uh he's a he's a great actor he's an enigmatic anti-hero and you will never you never feel like you're being told you have to really like like this guy. It's you know what I just really like a blind guy laying waste to stuff, and yeah. I really like a cross old man trying to save a child. Yeah. So it's like it's hitting all my Japanese action like buttons. Yeah. It's it, got a bit of Lone it, Wolf. It's got a bit of Zatoichi. Yeah. It's, <laughs> it's
1: those and two then, brothers combined, basically.
0: Yeah, exactly. And then it's also got some hammer murder. So. Oh wow! Nice. Yeah, it's got some great makeup effects in it, some great makeup effects in it. Oh, cool. Really fun stuff. Uh, it's got Fiona O'Shaughnessy, my lovely friend Fiona, who mm-hmm. I didn't know was in it. Oh, what a treat. She, she of Nina Forever and uh, and Utopia. Yeah. she's Yeah, she's great in it, and she's she's got a pretty wild character. Yeah, I really enjoyed it. Cool.
1: Yeah, well, I'd, I'd kind of taken that off my watch list because of the, the kind of, the of ideological <laughs> shifting of that hero you you know me I don't people can watch what they watch I don't care but you know sometimes I make personal decisions and that was one of them but if you're into it
0: Yeah, I think you'll like what it does with that. Great. Because at the beginning of the film, and and you know what? I think you'll find comfort in my recommendation because Mm. at the beginning of the film, you might find it difficult to get on board because they're not addressing that aspect of it. Yeah. But know that it kind of deals with that as it finishes up.
1: Excellent. Well, uh, a recommendation for me there as well. Let's go into extra features, extra features, extra features. Extra
0: features.
1: I have one extra feature. <sighs> Eureka has put out the Sabata trilogy on Blue, starring Lee Van Cleef in the first and third one and your Brinner in the middle one. Are you a fan of the Sabata movies, Dan? I've not seen them. Okay, so they are. You will love them because they are awesome and fun spaghetti westerns. I will always recommend a spaghetti western box set and the Sabata trilogy would make an incredible pairing with the Sartana movies. Nice. Though the Sabata in this is a different character to the Sabata in that. They do share, you know, character names and there's a good reason for that. Sabata was actually more financially successful than Sartana, though it was definitely influenced by that first movie with Gianfranco Parolini jumping ship to work on Sabata with Van Cleef. But yeah, it's a a beautiful, beautiful box set. The art's gorgeous and the films are really fun. So it's a, a recommend for everyone, but especially Sartana fans. And the reason I've made it an extra feature is I would have actually have recommended it on the Sartana episode if I'd have known that it was going to be put out as a Eureka release at that time. Because it really is a perfect Perfect pairing. So yeah, Dan. Any extra features from you?
0: No, I've completely forgotten that we did this. Oh I've no, not written anything down, oh. and I've got that thing in my head because you know it, it's been like a month and a half off, and I've ruined my body and brain with night shoots. Yeah. Yeah. No, and I and I just didn't write anything down. I've not watched a huge amount of stuff. I've been. You've been I, like, I took out. a Yeah, like you, I took a wallet with me when I was in Hungary, and I was like, yeah, I'll watch stuff. I've got a. A blu-ray player with me because i've got my travel playstation Mm. and i'll be able to watch stuff and then we were shooting fucking splits i think the longest day we did was 19 hours on set well here's an extra (laughs) feature that i'd like to talk
1: to you about um which i don't know if you're saving this for social media but it's the sort of thing that we'd normally do in the introductions but we also talked about it off mic which might be why we haven't done it on the episode but i would like to publicly congratulate you for your biffa nominations um, Thank you very much. Yeah. Can you talk a little bit about that? Because obviously you've been through this experience before, but it's a little bit different this time. Um, yeah, yeah,
0: it's an interesting one. I like. I it's you know it's super gratifying the amount of care and attention that the producers on both sides have taken with like making sure that this was done properly mm. has been very very gratifying. Helen with sensor and Dougie with dashcam really went above and beyond to make sure that everyone was included, even to the fact that there was like a slight like mistake from Biffa this morning, and I mentioned it to Dougie, and within like thirty minutes, maybe an hour, the Biffa like. Site was updated. Like he, mm. you know, it may have been easy, but I don't assume it was. I think he probably kicked some ass. Dougie um, is awesome. I've I've about him a little
1: bit, and he's just yeah. such a lovely, lovely, smart he's, guy. Yeah,
0: he's that rare blend of lovely and efficacious. Yeah, because normally nice people are, especially in production, like the nice people are are a bit wet. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> you need you need a bit of the bite to you yep. to to be able to go up against all the pricks. Yep, uh, and I've been I've been lucky in my career to deal with a, a number of nice people who are also competent. <laughs> <laughs> and i certainly can't argue among those numbers he's yeah. a very very good producer yeah but he's also very good at having people's back like he looks after his team yeah but like the whole thing like again with helen like Hel- when we were longlisted, helen contacted me and said hey because Biffa rap like vfx and special effects and makeup effects all kind of up into one and the voters don't necessarily know whose work they're looking at and that's kind of been a thing in the past that's that's been the frustration with that particular award like films i've done makeup effects for have been nominated for special effects and then it was the VFX name person's name that was down, quite confusing even mm. for someone who knows the nomenclature. So Helen was really like careful to make sure there was a representative from each department, and then she asked us all to write like a little essay about what we did and how we approached it. And I put together like a little video clip, like a clip reel nice. to show everything, and she forwarded that. Like she-, she was really like on it, and I don't know if that stuff's going to make it to the voters or if they're just going to look at the films and then vote. But it felt like it felt very like there was a lot of care in that. And that goes a long way. Like, you know, it was already a very nice experience working on both those films. They're both very good producers. I liked, you know, the projects were good. But it means a lot to me that they pay that much attention after Mm. the fact as well. Well, I mean, you know, fuck me. Sensor's got nine awards. It's nominated for nine awards. So they've done very well.
1: That's fantastic. I really hope that that clip reel does make it to the voters, uh, judges, whatever. Because I sometimes feel like the people who vote for this stuff don't necessarily know the intricate ins and outs of it. It's probably different at Biffa, but certainly with the Oscars, like, you know, like, best sound design always goes to war movies because you can hear bullets. Because they're big, yeah. You've got
0: like a bit of stereo.
1: Yeah, exactly. Whereas, yeah, I don't think that people necessarily know the intricacies of, of these kind of different fields when they're vote. I mean, what does an actor know about sound design? Like, no offence to actors, but um... But that's for the Oscars, and Biff is completely different. So anyway, I that's will it. stop. I will get off my. So uh, what
0: I what I will say is Martin Pavey has been nominated uh, for the sound design for In the Earth. So congratulations oh, inc- to Martin. He like,
1: will win that, surely.
0: He's. I mean, he fucking should. If there's any justice in the world, Martin surely. walks home with that. Like that. They don't even. They're like, we didn't even vote. It's just Martin's. He gets all of them. Yeah, yeah. He's so good. Yeah. And he's so instrumental. Like whenever I'm nominated for anything, I always feel like I owe a debt to Martin, <laughs> or you know, or whoever the sound designer is, because it's. So so much of what the audience read as effects is in the sound work, right? And then also uh, Ruth Pease, who was nominated for censor for the makeup design. She's fantastic, and she was very much my right hand when we were doing the makeup effects as well. It wasn't a big enough film for me to have a key on set, and she took on a lot of stuff because mm-hmm. we were spread quite thin. Um, so again, I, I feel like she's a, a really integral part of the makeup effects category as well. So thank awesome. you to
1: her. All right, well, um let's let's do our social media so people can. Follow the story of what happens with those awards, Dan. How can people stalk you?
0: I'm at thirteen finger effects, uh, both on Twitter and Instagram, and presumably very shortly in the metaverse. Um, <laughs> the awards are happening on the fifth of December, uh, so be prepared for a barrage of drunk picture tweets from me at that ceremony.
1: Hey, I am. At Sam Ashes 23, the number two, the number three on Instagram. Please find me there where you can keep up with my new life in Portland and see my sick collection of Shaw Brothers jumpers. I'm hoping to go to Barnes Noble for the Criterion sale either later today or tomorrow. I'm going to put pictures up there, so um, hunt out uh, me on Instagram. Uh,
0: good. Stop shipping to Europe, Sam.
1: Yeah, well I, do you know what? Focus. If there's ever it's anything <laughs> Dan, if there's ever anything you need in the States, any of those Blu ray stuff that doesn't ship, just I'll pick stuff up for you and ship it over. I'm more than happy to do that. So um oh, that's that's very as long expensive. as that's not illegal, me putting that on the record. No, on... that's not that's not illegal. <laughs> good, legal as
0: long as as long as you don't mark it as a gift so that I avoid paying import go. tax No, no I, I wouldn't do Never that. Do that you,
1: there are limits, things. Dan you know I don't, yeah. I don't want um the fbi to show up at my door <laughs> I,
0: don't, I don't think the fbi have much of a concern about the the fairings of the hmrc given that we're currently cutting ourselves off from the west of the world true, via yeah. our international policies
1: and they're way too busy dealing with like aliens and chupacabras and dudes that can stretch and hide in chimneys the Jigsawy
0: to... man whatever yeah. his name was there you
1: go <laughs> um i love it all right well i think that's it isn't it i haven't done this for a while but uh thank you so much for listening thank you and we promise to be more professional next time when we will be talking about
0: death screams yes, yes i've not seen it bye-bye i've never seen death screams, sam not have I. bye bye <laughs>